0: Hey everybody, Jess Intuitive Angel Healer here with Your Grounded. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today and welcome to another episode of Dancing in the Toxic Shadows Finding Empowerment and Hope Through the Toxicity. This is a podcast that features an empowered soul swim through the toxic waters of life and how they have found the courage, strength, and blind faith used to obtain the life that they truly want to live and how they encourage others how to take that same leap of faith, no matter if they can only see the first two steps or not. Hey, beautiful souls, thank you so much for joining us today and today we have an awesome guest, Miss Melissa Dino and um, she is a sober living advocate, survivor and warrior of DV and a voice and beacon of light for survivors of the toxic streets. Hi, hi, uh, Melissa, how are you today? Hi, I'm fine. How are you, Jess? We are doing amazing here, and I'm so excited. What I put to describe you here isn't even half of uh, what you do for people out there. And I'm so uh, honored and humbled that you came on here to share your story uh, because you go above and beyond. uh, We ran across each other on TikTok, and uh, you... You are what I like that you um, to call that you you don't just do your work in, in a pretty little uh, office. You actually go to the trenches and you go and rescue women. So I want to, first of all, uh, not just women, but souls, you, you rescue lost souls. And I'm getting chills here because I want to say thank you for what you do, because there's a lot of people that run the other way and you are like... It's like Archangel Michael. You have that courage and you have that warrior spirit that you're like, hey, there's the fire. I'm running into it. And everybody else is like, no, run away. And you're like, no, I'm gonna go uh, pull out my sword, cut the demon's heads off and and come get my beautiful soul sisters back because I, I just love your whole story and I love what you do. I'm gonna go ahead and hand it over to you. Go ahead and tell us all about it.
1: Okay. Thank you. My name is Melissa Dino. I am 38 years old and I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I am a recovering addict. I have been sober for a little over a year and I am out here to spread this message of hope, to let people know that they to never give up hope and that no matter what, you can bring yourself back up from any situation. If I could do it, Anybody could do it. Let's start out with me telling you that my whole family was either drug addicts or alcoholics, starting from my grandmother, my mother, my real father, and my stepfather. Both of my uncles, I have a baby sister who is on the verge of being a full-blown addict. And my 19-year-old daughter, who will be 20 this month, is on the verge of being a full-blown alcoholic. So, a little bit more about myself. Also, I was married. I had a wife who was my soulmate, and she passed away from a drug overdose, as well as my my uncle died basically in my arms from an overdose. And my dad died as a direct result from using. So, back to how I got to where I'm at today. When I was a child, My mother and father, like I said, were addicts. My grandmother was a full-blown mean alcoholic, and so was my uncle. I have two uncles, but they're both dead. One of them was murdered by his wife with a 12-gauge pump shotgun that she bought him for his birthday. And my other uncle, like I said, died in my arms from an overdose. My family never had anything. We were always poor and my mother and father being addicts would take me from state to state doctor shopping with them. We lived in a car for many, many years. We were lucky if we got a hotel for the night. By the time I was nine years old, I knew how to tell a doctor that my mommy and daddy were not feeling well and that they needed pills so that they could play with me. I seen them shooting up dope in front of me at 9 and 10 years old. My real father was never a part of my life. I've met him one time and it was a disaster. My daughter is mixed and he had a problem with her being biracial and the situation got very ugly. So needless to say that really was the last time I ever spoke to my real father. My stepfather however however raised me. He had been with my mother since I was five years old and that is the man that I called my father until the day that he died so growing up with parents who were addicted was was very rough and I there was it was straight insanity there was never no sanity in my life at all until I just, I got sober so as I was getting older, my mother finally got sober on a methadone program and my father when I was about 13. Our life became a little better. That was when we moved here to Cleveland. So we finally, my mother was finally able to get stable housing and get us into some place where we weren't jumping around from car to car, hotel to hotel and state to state. I have a baby sister who was born in 1995 uh, when we moved here to Cleveland. She has never seen the, the gutter part of the life that I lived growing up and was very sheltered. But because addiction is a disease, it still runs in her blood.
0: I very much concur with that. And I'm very happy, at least small miracles. I always say at least there's some kind of small miracles. So I'm glad that that she didn't have to see that, the gutter part of it.
1: Yes, she was, she was very lucky and very blessed to not be able to see all the things that I saw growing up. But getting into my teenage years and I started getting into relationships because of all the insanity in my life and the lack of love from my parents growing up, I started seeking for love in men, but because of the insanity, I always picked the men who were violent, very nasty, and always treated me like crap. I had two male relationships. By the time I was 18, I was pregnant with my only child, my daughter, Simone, and her father was so abusive that I was almost killed on many occasions. When I was, first of all, let me tell you, when he found out I was pregnant, he told me if I had a girl, I was going to be on my own. And he meant that because I've been on my own ever since. When I was six months pregnant, he kicked me down my mom's basement stairs. And I was lucky that I lived let alone my child. He'd beaten me so many times, so many black eyes, so many busted lips, so many broken bones that this was the beginning of my drug addiction. Because when you have the disease of addiction that runs in your family, the very first time you put that first drink or drug in your body, that releases that addiction and that demon inside of you. And people don't realize that when that beast is released, a very strong willpower to bring yourself back up to where you need to be. But with the right program for me, Everybody doesn't believe in a 12-step program, but for me and everybody that I know personally, that's what it has taken. To be open-minded, willing, and have some type of higher power in your life. Because that beast, that disease of addiction, wants to take you out. I lost my wife on Easter morning to a drug overdose. I have so much shame and guilt and regret and remorse behind that situation. Because in that period of time, I was sober going on four years. And my wife had relaxed and I couldn't have her around. While she was at her mother's house, her mother took her to, she said to get her some Xanax, but apparently that wasn't all she got because she died Easter morning and her mother found her face down in the kitchen in a pool of her own vomit. I'm
0: so sorry.
1: And I just feel like today if I would not have made her believe that maybe I could have stopped that. But I know now being through so much therapy and counseling and being through this program that, that that was God's will. She was also sick. She had MS and she had a lot of other health problems and she was suffering. So I just know today that she's she's not suffering anymore. And she's one of my angels. And she is with the Lord watching over me and smiling down at all of the good things that I'm doing now. Through my usage of 15 years, when my uncle died from an overdose in my arms in 2010. Now, first, let me back up. I had a very nice career going with boxing. I was always an athlete. I, as I was a teenager, I played on an all-boys football team. I played basketball, baseball, softball, any sport that I could, I played. I was always a tomboy. I always had all-male friends. And I knew that when I was young that I was gay. My child's father, I had told you about a little bit of the abuse when I was eight months pregnant, eight and a half months, almost nine months pregnant. Now, mind you, this man had cheated on me with every female that I knew. Any friend that I had, he slept with behind my back. There was one female that he did not even know was my friend he thought was my sister. This female grew up with me since we were small children and he did not know that she was not actually my sister. He thought she was blood. And I caught him cheating with her when I was eight and a half months pregnant. And I can say all this today because I'm not ashamed of anything that I've done because it has made me who I am. He given me STDs from her. Trichomonas, my daughter was almost born blind. So when I caught them together, I chased them down a side street in my car while they were in her car doing 75 miles an hour and we had a head on collision. My car flipped upside down, landed on the end of another car and their car flipped over. All of us almost died in this car crash. The police was coming down the street and seeing the whole thing happen and asked me, Miss Dino, you're pregnant. Why would you do that? I looked that cop dead in his face and said, I was trying to kill all of us. That man had beat me so many times. He kidnapped me out of my mother's house while I was sleeping in the middle of the night. He kicked my mother's back door in, came up the stairs and dragged me down two flights of steps outside into his car while it was below zero outside had nothing on but a t-shirt and that was it now the police he was doing like 80 miles an hour down a main street and pulled him over thank god because there's no telling what he would have done to me that night when the police pulled him over he had no license or anything so they ended up taking him to jail when they see me in that back seat, all beat up with no clothes on, but a nightgown and no socks, no nothing, and it was snowing outside, they kept begging me to tell them what happened. But I was so terrified that I, I refused. All I asked them to do was take me home. Now, I had been trying to get away from him, but no matter what, he always found me, no matter how I left, no matter where I was at. He would find me and he would always come and get me when he, he would, if I refused, he would beat me until I did go. And now I was with another man back and forth in between this time. That man was sleeping in my bed with me when he kidnapped me and didn't do crap about it. He when when the police brought me back home. He, too, jumped on me and said, you're going to need to make a choice. What are you going to do? It's either me or him. And I had had so much fear in me. I was scared to death of both of them. That I told him, I didn't go with him. You've seen him kidnap me, and you just let it effing happen. You did nothing thing about it. So how is this my fault? I ended up getting beat up that night, again, by the second man. These relationships that I had with the two of them, I had been with the one the the second man with him before I got with my child's father and got pregnant. But me and him were on a break when I did end up pregnant. I was walking down the street with him one day. The second man, my daughter's father, he came driving down the street and seen us walking together. He pulled up into a parking lot by where we were at and grabbed me and he beat me so bad he put my face, my cheek down on the side of the curb and smashed it with his foot and just kept twisting his foot and looked at and said, do you want this Be if you want her? get her up off the ground, show me that you want her. And he left me, he walked away while my face was being smashed into a curb. A year after my daughter was born, I found out I was pregnant again. And I did not know whose child it was between the two of them. And I was forced to get an abortion. They had told me basically if i didn't get the abortion that that baby was going to be beat out of me because i didn't know whose child it was neither wanted them neither one, either one of them wanted anything to do with that child and so i was forced to get that abortion and till this day june 20th is the day i had the abortion my daughter's birthday is june 23rd Between the 20th and the 23rd, every year, I have so much depression, so much guilt. And I just feel like I should have fought harder for that child. Because I never had any more kids after that. Because of all the abuse, the STD that my daughter's father gave me, I can't have any more kids now. Even if I wanted to, I mean, I'm full on lesbian, but even if I wanted to have another child, I couldn't.
0: You're like, I'm full on lesbian, screw these guys. I would be too, I've I've been there girl. Like I haven't made it to that side of the fence yet, but it's about this close. Cause I've had own feeding with, you know my own toxic shadows with my guys, but I full on understand. And I want to just say, I love you. And I am so sorry that that these douchebags I'm to go to just call them douchebags like for for uh, the nicest word I can find you did not deserve any of that and I've talked to so many women that are punching bags and outlets for rage for a person who clearly has mommy and daddy issues because they were never loved in their life because if you're gonna go around and treat another human being that way it's not about man or woman at this point it's about holy shit what demon lair did you come from and you need to go get a hug from your mom and dad because you're an awful human being i can't even put you in the category of human being
1: horrible Horrible and let me show let me tell you, I was always bisexual. I always knew I liked girls. I had my first girlfriend at 16, but the two of them pushed me straight over the fence. <laughs> I, I bet they screwed it up for every man out there walking because and this may sound a little effed up, but in in my mind, and I know, no woman is going to do me like that. Because if if whoever any woman tried, they would have the fight of their effing likes on their hands. You know, like I had said in the beginning, I was, I had a really nice boxing career going. I could have went semi-pro and I had to quit because my baby's father broke my neck. My C3 was cracked. He put my head through a wall when he found out I was using drugs. And my head hit the stud behind the wall and cracked my C3. I have pins and screws and all that in my neck still to this day. I was lucky I survived that. Had he would have not called my mother and told my mother, Tammy, you better come get this bee. I'm getting ready to kill her. And he meant that. And my mother knew how bad the relationship was and how abusive he was. So she left her house immediately and came to mine. And when she got there, my daughter, who was only a few years old at the time, was standing over my lifeless body screaming for me. He left her in the house with me while I was dying on the floor. I got away from this relationship Because while I was in the hospital healing for over four months, he caught a Fed case and ended up going to prison.
0: That's God right there.
1: God, God. God, absolutely. And a couple weeks after he went to prison, the other one went. That was how I escaped these relationships. God had other plans for me. He was not about to let anybody take me out of this world, and I am so grateful for that till this day. It was meant for me to survive that, and it was meant for me to to survive this drug addiction. It may have taken me many, many years to get my head out of my ass, so to speak, excuse my language, but I did it. I did it. And now I am here to empower other women who has gone through the same thing and to help anybody that needs help in recovery, whether it's man or woman, even though in the 12-step programs, men are supposed to stick with men, women are supposed to stick with women. But let me tell you, I know there's stuff in my story that could help a man, too, because of me being a stud and being gay, I live in some of the fashions that a man would live. So I know that there is something in my story that can help a man out there too, not just women. That's the mission that I'm on right now. I just went, I made a video on TikTok just a few days ago. Me and my sponsor did a 12-step rescue, which is, if you don't know what a 12-step rescue is, it is. Basically going into a trap house or any bad drug situation and getting a person out of that situation, finding a rehab for them to go to and taking them there. And not only did we did that, but we bought everything that that woman needed while she was in treatment. We, I gave her clothes out of my own personal closet, a pair of my Jordans. I gave her, we gave her all of her personal hygiene that she needed. We bought her cigarettes. We gave her everything that she needed to be able to last that rehab and not want for nothing. Because this is what this is what this program is about. And this is what my life is about. One addict helping the next. Not even addicts, one human being helping the next to survive any situation that you need to survive and, and pull yourself up out of the gutter because there is no, nobody is ever hopeless ever. As long as you have a higher power and you believe in yourself and look at yourself. I want anybody listening to this or watching this to look at their self every day in the mirror and say, self, I love you. You are worth it. If you're a woman, I want you to look at yourself and say, I am a worthwhile woman. Because you are. And I love all of you. And that is what I'm here to do, is to help and love anybody who needs to help and love in their life.
0: Well you're definitely my Shiro if anybody hasn't told you you're my Shiro I I I love you because uh man or woman I it doesn't matter to me I love your spirit and I compare you to the archangel Michael who is the warrior angel he's the highest one and we need more people and souls like yourself because like I said not everybody can do the trauma. When I came up in coaching, everybody was run away. Don't, don't handle trauma because America is society. We were just talking about this on our other podcast episode. America is really afraid of getting sued. They're afraid of getting their hands dirty. And so most people that are in the regular stuff are like, Oh, let me go find you someone to even have a conversation about that. And I'm like, Ooh, let's talk about it. Let's compare some stories. Cause I could tell you some stories too, but I think it is the the reason why I'm like that is because I never had exactly like, I don't know, I have a weird life because some things I viewed, uh, like I was like the little sister that got to watch all this crazy stuff happen. I got stuff happen to me, but like Thankfully, I, I don't, God had a different plan for me because my dad's an alcoholic and amongst other things, or he was, he died when I was 16, but addiction runs strong in my blood. My, my brother went to prison at 21 and he was, he had, he, he battled the addiction that my dad went through. Now I tried stuff out when I was 17, but because I I think I was evaluating, like, why don't I have this life? Because I was set up to have the life of the the toxic streets. But I, I look at God and I'm like, when I was 18, almost 19, I asked God, I said, get me out of Albuquerque. Because if I don't get out of Albuquerque, I'm going to be like these gremlins that are around me. And I was just having, I was killing time when I was hanging out and partying. I was just having a good time. I was 18, experiencing stuff. But these people were straight up convicts and and doing the dirt. <laughs> And I was like, I don't really wanna be a part of that. And literally some girl came and knocked on my door and said, hey, I'm with the sales crew for magazines. You wanna travel around the United States? And because I took that chance, I had a house, I had everything set up. So I could have just stayed there, but because I took a leap of faith and I also remembered that I made this prayer of get me the hell out of Albuquerque. I loaded myself up, got rid of my apartment, gave all my stuff away and in three days hopped into, I didn't know these people, I hopped into their their van of, of young people. Cause back in the day, magazine people were definitely looked down upon. But I was like, hey, this looks like fun, jumped in there. And because I stayed on the road for six years, I, I praise God every day that I, I took that chance. And I always tell people, take a leap of faith. Because you never know what it, where it's going to take you. Because, because I made that decision, my whole story came out different. Because I know if I would have stayed in Albuquerque, I would have went to jail. I would have had more terrible things that, than had already happened to me there. So I, I'm very, I, I love that even though you had a choice too, you had a choice of, I'm going to do this or I'm gonna just sit here and give up because I've had friends that have died because they just straight didn't have their, their light got put out. They dimmed and they were like, well, I'm a piece of crap. My life's a piece of crap and I'm just gonna give up. And hearing stories like yours makes me feel, uh, it gives me hope and it gives others hope out there because you had a choice of I'm going to live through this, or I'm just going to give up and, and not care. And you actually turned it all around and you made sure to go out there and and now you're somebody's angel. And and that's what this world needs. We need more angels like yourself. Thank you so much for what you do. It It really means a lot to me because I've had uh, I had a friend who who died. She did heroin, but the thing was is that when she died, the morning that she died, she didn't even have any drugs in her system. I play out the scenario because the guy that she was with choked her out and sat with her for six hours, and then he lied to the cops to say what happened. And I feel and when you look at his mugshot, she he's got scratches. So my friend was not high, had like trace amounts of, because she didn't have, so I feel like they ran out of drugs that night and he just straight killed her. And then he, and then he hit what's crazier is he went to, he went to jail, sat there for three years before they convicted him of my friend's murder. And I was like, what more, I can look at his freaking mugshot and tell that uh some girls didn't come beat up my friend. And you sat there with her for six hours, like, may God bless your soul, because you uh, are gonna be attacked, like you're gonna come back as uh as- he's
1: going to hell with draws on. That's
0: what he's doing. Well, he is the reason why my friend left this world at such an she was 27. And she Um, had her whole life and I tried to get her out, but because her mom had other plans and wanted to use her as her drug runner and drug getter made me really sad that. And so I had a lot, I tried to get her out, but when you're on drugs, you can only do as much as you can do for someone because not every, if you can't get into there, I almost had her, I almost had her coming to my house. And her mom, last person I talked to was her mom, and said, "I'm sorry, Samantha's not coming." And then it all went down the hill from there. And then I lost my friend, so I had a lot of guilt because I was going to save my friend. I was going to, I you know, because I know what the whole pro, yeah I know what the whole process is when. Uh, Detox, I actually made a commitment because I know what the whole process is of detoxing off of that. And that's like the most horrible detox you'll ever go through is that one. And I was committed to that. And for her mom, like I didn't go to her funeral because I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go straight to prison because I'm going to get up out of this car I'm going to beat her mom, probably throw her in a river and then drive back to my house. Cause I was, <laughs> I had a vendetta against her, but now that I've, that's why I started this. She is my angel in heaven. And I have another friend who also died of endocarditis at about in her thirties because of heroin and a, and a heart valve. Um, she didn't make it through her surgery. She died at least on the table. But because of those two, my two, they're my two best friends that I've ever had. Because of that, that's why I made this toxic shadow. Because it's it's near and dear to my heart that even though I'm not an addict, but I have my own toxic things and I have my own, you know, story. But because of that, it's very near and dear to my heart. If you have an addiction out there, I will, at least if I can't, be on the total same, like I did it, I did it and, you know, get there, at least I can hold that heart space because we need more heart space held for people to just tell their story. It is important to tell your story and it is important to, to validate you. And I want you to know that I validate everything that you just said, because you are an awesome human being and we can't ever fight with the divine that God makes a decision of when to take people in and out of this world. And I always say, if you have guilt surrounding that, always think of a worst case scenario. And it's almost like, how can I think of a worst case scenario? But I almost for that, I would say if your wife, for example, wasn't taken at that moment, imagine five years down the road where she's just a vegetable. She can't talk to you because of her disease and she can only blink that is almost and then you have to just sit there and and you know take care of someone because i was in the caregiving for a while and i and to help people get over their guilt you have to think of it another way like she could have even had a worse demise than what she went out of but people don't think about that in the moment of holding someone but when you think about it five years and she's just sitting there and has no quality of life, that's why God took her out in the moment in the way that she did or that he did. But I'm just really glad that you're here. And you know what you, you can't, you can only help someone as much as that you're humanly possible because we all have choices. So I want you to know that it wasn't your choice, it was her choice, and I feel like that was her demons of, she couldn't, that's where I can say some souls aren't built as strong as others. Now I want to hear Nina. Uh, some thoughts because we haven't got you on here yet because it doesn't go to you unless unless you talk (laughs) what are your thoughts miss nina and then we can uh go into the questions there's
2: there's a lot and i just want to start off by saying it is nice to meet you i don't think that i've had the pleasure of meeting you yet and i just want to let you know that
0: you (laughs) you too i'm happy
2: that we're here i'm happy that you're here and i'm happy that you're on the journey of recovery and healing. And I feel like that's going to be important, not only for yourself, but the women and men that come around you in the near future. Right. So I am proud of you and I, I don't know you, but I love you. And I feel like that's important to say, because the more love you have and the more inspired you feel to continue to do what you do. And I just, Um, my heart, my heart hurts for you. And, you know, I have I don't I don't really come from a family that has recovery from drugs we're recovering from other deep-rooted things and but I will say that the heart space is still the same like you still continue to have the will to live and honestly like that's that's what I want to know like what can I'm sorry can I start the questions now because you I want to know yeah like, that's I why I know. hand it over to you what keeps you motivated day in day out like and even on the days that you find yourself falling into you know maybe some darkness what what do you use to pull yourself out
1: um, the one thing that i that always brings me to back to reality is seeing my uncle die in front of me from drugs in my arms I I told Jess when we uh, spoke on Zoom before this, and I'm not scared to share it with the world, I shot my uncle up with dope that night. It wasn't just the heroin that killed him, though. He was doing other drugs on top of it, and his heart exploded. But seeing that, that is something that is very, very hard to get that image out of your mind. And my dad, the night he went into his coma, we were partying that night too, my dad and me. My wife dying, I wasn't there, but I just can imagine. And then my grandmother, she was a very bad alcoholic. She didn't die from any type of drugs or alcohol. She ended up with stage four lung cancer at 80 years old and I literally quit my job to take care of her in her last two months of her life. Seeing all those debts and not wanting to be another statistic and wanting my daughter, my only child to be able to have somebody that she can turn to and have somebody to look up to in her life and not wanting her to have to go through the same things that i went through with with my hope with all of the family members keeps me going on a day-to-day basis knowing that my story and the things that i've been through and survived can help other people to come up out of whatever bad situation that they're in, that gives me motivation too. My mother is going to be 61 this year. I want her to have some type of peace in her life. She's been sober almost 10 years now, thank God. She got sober when my dad died. And I want her to be able to have some peace at the end of her life knowing that her child is sober and not out there on drugs, running the streets, and possibly doing things that could get get her killed. I want my mother to be able to rest easy at the end of the night, knowing that I'm safe. There were a couple things that I did not get to tell you guys. I have severe PTSD from some of the things that I've seen and been through. Some of those things is when I was nine years old, I was molested by one of my mom's friends. And then, after I told her and my stepdad about it, I got whooped and was told to
2: apologize to that man. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your parents made you apologize to the man who molested you. They were on drugs, they didn't believe
1: what I was saying. Not until I got 18 years old did my parents believe me. And my dad, God rest his soul, if that man wouldn't have been already dead because he was an older man. He was, he was probably 70-some years old when he molested me. If that man wouldn't have already been dead, my dad would have probably killed him. They, they thought I was just looking for attention or whatever from them. I guess. I mean, I I don't know because my parents never really told me why they didn't believe me but once I turned 18 and I told them you know that it really did happen now my mother has so many guilty feelings behind that as well as she should. I forgive her. I forgive my father because they were on drugs and when you're on drugs you can't think clearly so Oh, I forgive them. I even forgive the man who raped me. And that's what you have to do in this program to be able to keep going forward. Forgiveness is a big key in sobriety. But also when I was in the midst of my using, I was selling my body to be able to get drugs. And I was raped four times in the process of me being strung out on drugs one of the men who raped me he beat me so bad he beat me unconscious he took all my clothes off of me and then he took me on this dark back street with no street lights i didn't know where i was at and threw me out of this van butt naked and knocked completely out when i came to i had no idea where it was at had no clothes on i had been beaten and raped so bad that I was bleeding from head to toe. And a lot of this has caused my mental health. And, and this is another reason I'm doing this because I know that there are women out there who have gone through the same thing and they need some type of inspiration. Saving lives, mental health, dual diagnosis and recovery is, is what I'm about now. This is my passion, and this is what I'm going to continue doing every day. If I save one life, just one, with my story and the things that I've been through, my mission is accomplished, and I and I feel like I actually did something with my
0: life. Amen, yeah. sis. I, th- I, I think you're awesome because... It's amazing. When you go through that, like just the stuff that I went through, it's taken me years, I'm 41 now, and it's taken me to get the images, because, and it's even worse when you're an empath, and, uh, because these images will come into my brain, and, Mm -hmm. and that's the hardest part, but that's why I had my spiritual awakening, because I've, I've been, I don't know why, I'm not even that big of a girl, but men have loved to hit me. They love to hit me. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Cause they're like, I don't like your tone. I don't like your mouth. And I'm like, I am like 140 pounds. Okay. Like I was on the sales crew walking down the street one day in Albuquerque. <laughs> Cause I hated selling stuff door to door in Albuquerque. That was a nightmare. Cause I didn't live there no more, but I came back and this dumbass little twerp was on his porch. And I didn't do anything. I walked, I was walking down the street saying, hey, you wanna buy a magazine? And he got so offended, came off the porch like this, came running out at me. And I'm like, I'm from Albuquerque. We're gonna throw down, you start coming at me with hands. I don't hit people, but if you hit me, he came running and I was like, what is this? What are we doing right now? We started getting into a physical altercation in his in the in the yard. And I'm like, I so I start fighting him, and he ended up putting getting me slamming my head into this truck that had this ply board on it. And the cops showed up. This was it was even crazier because this is my story of I'm like, I'm defending myself those cops, cause I was gone. I'm also gone. I'm ghost. When stuff like that happens, I'm like, you'll never fight me. You better hope you know me. Cause I'll be in a, I'll be in a tree somewhere, like looking down on you. Like, is it safe <laughs> for me to come out yet? They, my exactly. boyfriend calls up cause they go, the guys on my sales crew, were going to go get this guy. Right. But then the cop, he called the cops. He called the cops on me. I show up. They tell me I need to apologize To this little 20-year-old twerp. I'm clearly got a black eye. I've got blood running down my face because he slammed me into the side of the thing. And the cops are like, you're lucky he didn't press charges on you. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? So I've had a lot of people this is how the whole scenario goes down. So when cops, I'm not waiting there for the cops. You will never see me. Go ahead and call the cops. I'll be in Virginia before you find my ass. Because every time I've showed up for the cops, the cops have told me it's my fault. And I'm like. Never have hey, I ever. Yeah. Never and, experienced and, that. And what's crazier is that for many years, I've been hit in my head a lot. I actually have my, I, bumped my head and I have this bump on my head that never went away but people have made fun of me because I stutter because my throat chakra was so blocked that's also why I started this podcast because my throat chakra is so blocked from people telling me you know devaluing me and shaming me and hitting me I had some lady ask me if I had a a, tra- a a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. And I was like, no, why? Because if you talk to me, sometimes I can't get my thoughts together. And I'm like, hold on. And we always make a joke my whole life. I got that five second delay because you'll see when my light bulb comes on. And I'm like, I've got <laughs> it. But because I've, and I've understood now that I've been hit so many times in my head I've, I've had people pick up stuff and these are men like yeah. I, I don't understand why where did we get that it's okay to put hands on people I don't put my hands on people and if I do that's because I'm I'm good okay because my theory is my dad died when I was 16 and that man was raging I saw him beat up my mom when I was about six and I had to go stay at a shelter. And from that moment on, I used to always tell people, okay, you wanna come And that's where I got that. You think you're gonna come beat me? Like the last man that I was ever scared of was my dad. And when he died at 16, it opened up like, we're both going to hell. You're not gonna just do this to me. Like have fun thinking you're gonna come beat me up because uh, we're both going to the hospital together, sir. (laughs) I hear, that. I hear that I don't condone I, hear that. I don't condone violence I don't think anybody should put their hands on anyone but it's kind of like that TikTok <laughs> when you gotta fight it's time to fight you know when it's I mean? time like, to fight you better be ready because I don't go down easily that's why I always say I would not be a very good kidnap <laughs> victim I would ask too many questions like where are we going why do I gotta die I don't understand. They'd be like, "Get rid of this girl. She's annoying. Let's go find an easier victim." You know, I had a, you similar
1: uh, situation happened. When I was in my early twenties, I, I, you know, I just always feel like, "Why do I attract the crazies? Why do I? Why is it always some men that want to fight me?" And I guess because you know, I do have a slick mouth. I ain't even gonna sit here and lie to you. But But out of my mouth gives you the right as a grown ass man to put your hands on me. And I'm five foot one. And until I got sober, I never weighed more than 125 pounds. Now I'm a little bigger, but still, I wouldn't care how much I weigh. As a six foot plus tall man weighing almost 300 pounds, you should never be putting your hands on no woman. So one time I was actually, and this didn't have anything to do with them, but I was coming down uh, one of the West Side streets here in Cleveland and there was a car full. There was two or three men there and two women in the car and they cut me off and they all were like yelling crap out of their windows. I pulled over and was at a convenience store and all these people just started trying to jump on me. Well, I had this wooden oak table leg in my car that was probably about, I don't know, maybe a, I, I don't know. It was like you know, just like a table leg. Well, I started swinging that damn table leg trying to defend myself and one of the guys took it from me and smacked me in my head so hard with it that he knocked me completely out. Till this day, I still have that lump in my head. And I too have epilepsy now, like it took me to now I have full-on seizures because of that incident. And I'm um, you know, they knocked me out and left me in the middle of the parking lot with my car still running. and you know, I have medical issues because of that till this day. But I'm like, why do I always attract the people, that want to put their hands on me. I mean, okay, yeah, I know that I could fight pretty good. I was almost a semi pro boxer. But still, a woman cannot compare to a man. Not exactly. as bad as you wanna You know, it may hurt my pride to say that, but I I still am not able to fight a man and win so
0: nor should you have to like that's the most ridiculous that's my biggest stigma with uh, domestic violence is men are bigger than us and just because we're feisty and just because we're loud gives you no right to put your hands on me because if you were a true man, you would walk your ass outside and take a walk or go do something. There is nothing that says you're a man. You need to make me or, you know, make me pay for it. So I I, I am so sorry that you've went through this. We're gonna wrap this up because uh, we this is like something that we could probably talk about forever. Miss Nina, I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to have Miss Nina uh, ask you a question, but I would like to know, what do you do, because I'm big on self-care, that's why I became a holistic healer, because a lot of people don't have a self-care regimen, or they, because most people that do drugs or have addictions is because it's not simply just because they want to get high that it goes way past that maybe when you start out that's the fun part of it but now you're trying to just numb out all this terribleness that you've had to deal with what is the self-care regimen that you do out there for for yourself that's daily that you could help others with that are struggling in your same spot well my
1: hair is a big thing for me I love to do hair. and I braid, I dye. I do everything basically except for cut. I make sure that my hair is done on a daily basis, whether I braid it myself or not, or I keep my hair dyed and nice looking, showering on a daily basis. Some people in recovery don't want to admit this, but they let their hygiene go. That makes you feel all the much better, especially at night when you lay in a bed and you know you're clean. See, the things that I do may not be the same as what a normal woman would do. I, I just make sure that I am clean. I don't do my nails. I don't do anything like that. So my hair is a, is a big thing for me. I love jewelry, even if it's costume jewelry. If it looks nice on me, I'm buying it. Now, today, I'm not spending all my money on drugs, so I have money to spend. I'm buying myself. My wardrobe is just insane. I, I have an issue with buying clothes, but I go to cheap stores. Like we have a store here called Foreman Mills, and. This store has all name brand stuff at closeout prices. They get everything Ugh. that the are closing down gets and they sell them for my champion shirt that I had on a couple of my videos, $6.99. Anywhere $6.99. else they'd have been 50 bucks. Yeah, I just try to keep myself up and looking nice.
0: Do you do journaling or uh, anything? Because I know you're I part I know you're part of a 12
1: step program. I I do do a lot of walking. Sometimes I don't have my car, so I have to walk to the store on a daily basis. Keeps me focused, and it's been like my my thing through my sobriety is my artwork. I'm an artist, and I paint, and that is something that I I do on a daily basis because idle time is bad time. You don't want to have too much time on your hands, and Painting is fun for me. I love it. My artwork comes out immaculate. I have people actually offering to buy artwork from me now. I I just said, you have to find a hobby. Something that you like, even if you're not good at it. As long as you enjoy doing it. That's what matters. I do go to meetings every day. At, well, at least five a week. I talk to my sponsor every day. I'm working these 12 steps and helping the next woman in this facility where I'm at is something that I do on a daily basis do.
2: That's an awesome, that's, I, I like all of the stuff that you're doing. That's amazing. You're amazing. You. The last question that I have for you is what guidance would you give to our other fellow survivors that are out there that are doing a similar toxic dance? Like, what advice would you give to them?
1: The best advice that I could give somebody is, if you're having an issue that you can't get out of, on your own, reach out. Reach out to somebody. You could always reach out to me. I'm on Facebook, TikTok. Facebook name is Melissa Dino. My TikTok is m.dino underscore we do recover. Talk about it. You need to talk about what's happening and you need to get it off your chest. If you are having mental health issues, as far as like PTSD and stuff like that from uh, being through so much domestic violence and things of that nature, get outside help. Outside help is gonna mean all the world that is going to save your life and if you don't know where to turn to for outside help call me or text me or send me a dm whatever because i have unlimited resources that i could help anybody with.
0: that's amazing it's all about the resources you gotta i always say maybe i'm not your cup of tea Or maybe I am, but I'm not the person you need because I can help on a different level. Nina can help on a different level because we all have something to add to the pot. And that's why we're making a a community of healers because I feel that all of our, we are all good at something. So if this is the biggest thing too with drug, like drug addiction, if you don't understand it, don't just not help someone because that's why people like me and you and miss nina exist because maybe i don't understand how to sit in that space with you but i can get you over and i always I've always said i'm a, my part of my gifts is being a facilitator i am that person that i will listen to everything and i'll be like yeah i can't do this part of it but let me go find you that person and by you being a facilitator know that There is so much, um, that is help in itself. That's a miracle in itself because most people that are going through it are not gonna reach out. They feel shamed, they feel guilt and they're just gonna sit and die in in their addiction. Because I've had friends that I've had to watch that happen. But now I'm learning, it's okay if I can't handle it. I can still intervene in your life, become an angel. And and just that, hey, I love you. Hey, you're doing awesome, just by a complete stranger doing that for them takes you out. Yourself, you love yourself. Exactly.
1: That, it it can help it. It makes all the difference. It really does.
0: What are nice. do you have any thoughts to add before we wrap up this conversation? I
2: just wanted to commend you for making it this far. I know that most people who talk about recovery talk about how the first two years is uh, extremely hard and there's all these rules and regulations and then, you know, there's guides and routines to follow and, and you're doing it and I'm proud that you're doing it. I'm proud that you're actually here to talk about, to talk about it. to to show other people how they can get through it and you know there's a lot of stigmas out there regarding whether or not addiction is a disease and you know I was a facilitator in mental health and I had to learn that it indeed is and it's not exactly something that is easy to get out of you know it might be easy to get into but it ain't that easy to get out of and you're doing it thank you yes and and all of the mental health pieces that come along with that, you know, it's, it's maintaining that your mental capacity to always be like 10 steps ahead. And I wanted to let you know that if you ever need extra support, reach out to us, you know, reach out to me. I'm somebody who is a, a, a listener. Uh, if you need somebody to listen to you to just vent about your things, then um, that's that's what I do. So. I am proud you. of you. I appreciate I, that. Yes ma'am, I love you and I am rooting for you. I, love you.
0: I am I'm so glad that you came. Like I said, I'm honored and humbled. Like you're one of my favorite guests and I've done this for almost 2 years now and you're literally one of my favorite guests and when I heard your story I had to almost do a little bit of disassociation to listen to it because I feel my friends around me right now. I feel like I'm an empath. I'm a medium. So it's crazy that my friend popped into my head last night, the one I told you that passed. And she's around me constantly. And I know that your wife is here in spirit because I got so many chills right now, not even just like listening to your story, but I can feel the presence of spirit. And I want you to know when I feel like this, I don't go looking for people. You were brought here, and I really feel that your wife and spirit, because this is like, it doesn't make sense to people, but to us it does. <laughs> but your wife and spirit knows how much guilt you feel. She's right there with you right now, giving you a hug, but you can't see that because, you know, people can't see that, but I want you to know when you you have thoughts of her pop up or you have a song come on, she literally brought you to me because she wants you to make it. I'm going to have to hold myself because I'm about to cry because I really feel that she's here in this moment. And she's so proud of you. I have to, hold on. I have to, I have to, I have to to get this in because it's, it's very overwhelming. She brought you to me. She wants to see your success story and she knows that the past don't matter. Whatever happened in the past, it's done. You're in this present moment and God kept you alive through all of that because you have a much bigger journey. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. Even when you feel on your darkest day that you're alone, know that you have all those family members in spirit as well. And yes. if, you, if you ran into me I, I, that's how I work that's how all of the people that I've uh I don't go and find people spirit brings them to me and I'm so blessed that spirit brought you to me today because I'm honored to help a woman like yourself get out and help other women like you're amazing I love you
1: it's been my honor to be on this podcast I I really am so grateful for you letting me come on and share my story with the world and let everybody know what I'm trying to do out here. I really am so grateful. I have so much love for you and Ms. Nina right now that that you have no idea really. Thank you.
0: You were so Bad welcome. Love. All the love. Yes, and you you're so welcome beautiful soul and you guys stay tuned because like I said I'm I'm creating this healer community which I've been trying to do for the past five years, but I had to go through my own stuff to get strong enough because I have to have my light on super bright. And when my lights dim, that's why spirit's been kicking me like, Hey girl, you have something other to do. And that's how I get out of my depression is I know that I have this big, huge thing and you're going to be a part of our healing community so you guys stay tuned we're going to get her a youtube channel and um ultimately we're going to have a whole facility that's my biggest goal out here is to have a nonprofit me and miss nina have talked about this about having a nonprofit of like a 12 step healing program like you can come to our treatment facility and not just get the normal regimen of you know Uh, meds and stuff you actually get intuitive healing holistic healing crystals and people like yourself mind
2: body soul experience exactly
0: and and our and our stuff is uh, what's really cool is you can add it to anything you can add it to your regimen of what you're doing but all the support is needed out there and I love you for coming on here and being brave enough to even just live your life every day and I'm so happy that I know I know this episode is going to touch so many people out there so I can't wait till we get you a YouTube channel
1: I really hope it does I I can't wait to actually hear it come out
0: awesome well thank you beautiful souls for joining us today if you have, if you need extra support, please reach out to Melissa. Uh, she, like she said, uh, the the links are going to be at the bottom. You can check out her TikTok and her Facebook. And if you need help with any of this, these three ladies that you see, me, her, and her, <laughs> hey we are here. We don't, maybe it's a little uncomfortable sometimes the talks that we have, but we are all trained professionals here to sit with you in that deep, dark space. So know that you don't have to ever be alone. And if you can't reach out to people you know, we are completely safe. We are non-judgmental and we love everybody. We're all impasse. We love our beautiful souls and, and we're here to help. And if we can't give you the help you need, we will definitely find it. each one of us here. So. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you, beautiful soul, for being here. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Well, there you have it, beautiful souls, another powerful guest that has learned to survive their swim in the toxic waters and break up with their toxic dance partner, fear. If you need help trying to find a new dance partner, please reach out to myself, nina or our guest on the show today and let us show you how a single four-letter word can change your mindset permanently and that four-letter word is love with love all things are possible thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of dancing in the toxic shadows until we meet again this is Jess, intuitive angel healer sending healing angel vibes love and light everybody take care